0: So, this is going to be our second Mailbag episode, for those who haven't heard before. My name is Bethany, I play Belinda Walsingham in Serviceable Plots, and I'm one of the hosts on Rules is Written.
1: I'm Jane, I play Nitha in Rumble Squad.
2: Hi, I'm Mike, I play Scrivener Shannon Whitecliffe in Serviceable Plots, and I'm also a co-host on the Bookworms podcast.
3: Hey, I'm Rachel, and I play Elaine Fox in Rumble Squad, and I'm also the co-host
0: of Rules is Written. Thank you to everyone who submitted questions, either on Discord, by email, or on Twitter. I did want to give a shout out to some of our patrons who submitted questions, and that would be uh, Gnome, Darqueezy, Jeremy, and Grim. So thank you guys for submitting your questions. We're going to do our best to answer them. I can't promise we'll have good answers, but we will try. I did also want to mention for those who are going to Gen Con, we will be there. So if you want to try to meet up at some point, uh, feel free to shoot us an email at DM at Raw, or you can follow us on Twitter at RulesIsWritten. If you haven't listened to the podcast yet, you can find d Raw on all your favorite podcatchers. And if you want to engage with us directly on a daily basis, whether <laughs> we have something good to say or not, you can join our Discord with
2: the link in the description. We always have something to say.
0: We always have something to say. I (laughs) I added no
2: qualifiers to that statement.
0: (laughs) We won't give any adjectives to describe what we're saying it is. It might be interesting. It might just be... Silly. Yeah. And lastly, I was going to say, if you could support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dndraw, we would be really grateful. We are so thankful for all of our patrons. All right. So I think the first question I wanted to ask was the one that really stood out to all of us, which was... Why have everyone's parents died? I believe this is a question about the nature of being a D&D adventurer and maybe some of the particular characters in the podcast not having parents who are present. Mike, I believe you had a rebuttal.
2: I do. Scrib's parents are totally alive. They show up in the podcast. <laughs> I think that episode just came out.
0: It just, yes, that that's the most recent episode that will have been released before we recorded this. No, uh, yes,
2: I, I totally you. They are made alive s- and well. They are alive and well. I made Scrib so that he went against the like dark, brooding rogue backstory of like I I was born on the streets and I learned all the tricks whoa. of the trade. Whoa,
0: whoa, hey, hey, I- I- hey, Jade no. much? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Jade will be <laughs> up next.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, you know what? No, I stand by my statement. I totally made Scrib with a happy childhood and a good backstory.
1: Good for you.
2: <laughs> all right come on tell me about your dark backstory that you learned <laughs> everything on the streets to survive
0: well nissa doesn't just give up secrets easily right jade exactly you gotta w- so jade i know it really hasn't come up directly as far as i know in rumble squad so far and what's been released like where nissa comes from beyond orenthal but i think it, it's clear she did not have a happy childhood full of sunshine and rainbows no <laughs> <laughs> I went with the trope of she comes from an orphanage. Yes, I did go there. There's nothing wrong with an urchin background. <laughs> we love an urchin background. <laughs> Oliver Twist was a good book. Exactly. Also, it's a good background. <laughs> I'll say from a from a build perspective, it, it complements a lot of things yeah. nicely. Yeah, the everyone's parents died. I think... All of us at one point or another have played that character who's Mm -hmm. the adventurer who has mysteriously no family, like not even (laughs) no parents, but like no cousins, no like extended family, no close friends. They're literally just like, I poofed into the world and I'm alone. So I adventure.
1: (laughs) To be fair, that's me in real life, just minus the adventuring.
0: (laughs) You have guinea pigs? (laughs) (laughs) My babies, yes. (laughs) Who we might hear from at at some point during this recording. Hopefully not. The door's closed. (laughs) Unless they can manage doorknobs, in which case,
2: I'm I'm sorry, I don't know what will happen to you. Wait, do they just, like, run rampant? Do you let them mosey, like?
1: (laughs) The the cage currently, Mike, it's okay. Oh, okay.
2: (laughs) They're just very vocal. (laughs) I was confused because I have a cat, and I know Bethany and Tony have cats. We do. Rachel, do you have pets? I don't remember. I have a dog. Yeah, like- so when you say the door is shut, it's more like we're keeping them out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I didn't know if there was just a pack of guinea pigs going around Jane's home. <laughs> like we I- ride to battle this day, brothers. <laughs> Pellets are over the horizon. I-
0: I'm wishing I'd gone with that one now. <laughs> Especially because uh, Jay took my name suggestions for them, so they're named Darcy and Bingley. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so... Back to the parents died question. My first character had dead parents. Tony's first character had dead parents. He was basically Batman. Mm-hmm. My character was like unlikable Aladdin with fire powers. Yeah, yeah. Rachel, what are your thoughts on the, the dead parents trope and your characters?
3: It would be, I guess, a little bit of a spoiler. I mean, Elaine's parents are dead or whatever, but it's only because she is older and she's human. So it, it makes sense. But I think I've had a mix of people who had most of my characters have actually had happy
0: backgrounds. Pretty well adjusted. For Pretty the most well part. adjusted.
3: Like my warlock that I played, she grew up with her parents. Her dad went out on an adventure and like disappeared. So that's why she went adventuring to go look for him. That turned out great. That turned out great. I mean, she turns into a T-Rex. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> all things check out. But yeah, I've I've mostly had characters who had parents or who had decent backgrounds. Maybe my very first one. I honestly don't remember what her background was, but she was a bard, I think. You're like, it's been so long. I know she it's had awkward. a good childhood because she was very close with her brother because that's how she got her fake eye when they were play fighting and he stabbed her in the eye with a stick. That's <laughs>
0: like the only thing I remember about her childhood. <laughs> I don't remember ever hearing that story. <laughs> You've heard it I didn't first. get to play that character very long. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. My campaign, you, you played a character who was like missing part of her hand yep. through also something that happened in her childhood.
2: Wait, are you that character in (laughs) their group because I have a uh, player in my group that always loses a hand no matter what campaign (laughs) we're in like either he starts off missing an appendage or like three sessions in he loses the hand and has to get it replaced
3: no I think my idea is that they don't exactly have the best healthcare system and you just kind of roll with it you can't roll
0: with it so (laughs) eventually you might be take some levels as a cleric or paladin and you just sort of heal it up as best you can and then that's your life yeah for me, for the, aside from having played, yes, Urchin with dead parents, currently mm-hmm. we haven't met Belinda's parents yet in the released episodes, but they're alive and well and, and living productive professional lives. Um. <laughs> <laughs> They're very busy. <laughs> They're climbing
2: up the social ladder. Like, it's a whole thing.
0: Well, because I think one thing, I think when we are picking parents or what to do with them for our characters, we're trying to decide, how does this explain why my character is the way they are? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's probably true for Nissa, right, Jane? The, the lack of, you yeah. know, like a stable family home is part of why she does what she does.
2: Exactly. Here's your motivation. A little
0: yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, because in much. real life, we're all, you know, somewhat a product of our upbringing to mm-hmm. some extent.
2: I guess then Scriv adventures for the opposite reason that his parents encouraged him to go out into the world.
0: Oh, I thought we said Scriv adventures because daddy issues. No. Um.
2: <laughs> yeah, his dad told him to. And it's like, okay, well, if dad says so, I guess I'm going to do this. But
0: also, Scriv, you need to do better. I'm disappointed in you. Yes. No.
2: Yes! <laughs> the desperate yeah. need for parental approval.
0: Yes, <laughs> that's, that's his character's motivation, <laughs> among other things. Yeah, so I think that was, a, that was a good question, is why everyone's parents died, they haven't all died, just maybe 50% of them <laughs> on, across the two campaigns and, that we're playing. But I think that's a good one. So I think one here that, that stood out to you, Rachel, was what is your favorite moment or moments where the dice were in your favor?
3: So specifically in Rumble Squad, I was at like four hit points or something ridiculously low and I was chasing a, an orc. He went through like this magical barrier and I just steamrolled through and Tony was like, oh, I'm going to need you to make a check. I don't remember what it was, like constitution or something. I rolled two nat 20s. Because even on a fail, I would have taken half damage, which would have knocked me unconscious. But because I rolled two nat 20s, Tony's like, yeah, I'm going to let you have it because you just like Kool-Aid man that wall, man. I was like, yes, (laughs)
0: because I have four hit points. I'm not doing so hot.
3: (laughs) And then I continued to mow down the
0: the orc. just rah, Yes. So mine, I'm not gonna do a full spoiler for something that hasn't come out yet, but it did happen in a recent session playing as Belinda, where I got two Nat 20s on a charisma check that forced Tony to change his plans for yes. the next scene. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> He's like, oh wow. <laughs> okay, um, hold on. I'm like, yes, Tony's saying hold on. <laughs> <laughs> this is wonderful. I am bending them to my will. I mean, I'm being extremely persuasive. Yes. To make up for some really bad checks we've had it it felt very good that it's going to change the direction of the story i've been very responsible for those bad checks Uh,
2: i mean i wasn't gonna point fingers (laughs) mike's the opposite (laughs) yeah when you when you said like hey let's talk about the best time when they're in your favor it's like no that 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 is the opposite of what happens to me
0: (laughs) scriv does do a solo investigation and immediately mike realized what maybe like two minutes in you're like oh shoot i'm not a charisma character
2: (laughs) But I will continue to try and- I will give it my best. <laughs> yep.
0: I mean, double down. That's what you gotta do.
2: <laughs> yeah. It worked out okay, but most of the time, bad rolls. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> it, it's okay. It happens. Jade, do you have anything that stands out, good or bad dice rolls, that are memorable for you? Uh, natural 20 on a
1: death save for Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Always good.
0: <laughs> a real clutch one where you're like, I need this. <laughs> yeah. Get me back to one HP. <laughs> yeah, poor Nissa. She's had it rough yeah. so far.
1: So many deaths.
0: There've been points where I, as someone who would talk to you, I knew your character didn't die, but as a listener, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but that's good. It's compelling storytelling, right? Where yeah, you, you sure. you're on the edge of your seat. Yeah, yeah you're invested in her well being, yeah. and you want her to be okay. <laughs> So kind of, I guess, going into, like, things that have been a challenge, we had a question about what is the worst weapon you've had? And I don't know that has to be in and of the weapon itself. Maybe it could be a great weapon that has not performed well (laughs) for you due to dice rolls. I have one of those. (laughs) And what would that be, Rachel? Oh, that
3: would be, I don't know, the legendary iron fang in your game. <laughs> for Princess the Apocalypse. <laughs> Everything about it is amazing, except for the fact that it has the, what is it, the blind sight or tremor sense or whatever it is where I can sense creatures up to like 60 feet away or something. Yep. Except I always roll garbage on the perception checks for it. Really bad. Like ones and twos. Yeah, like- so she's like, you sense there is something nearby. You don't know how, you have no idea how many, how big, how how far, but there is something moving. And I'm like, thanks.
0: It's sort of a yes, no, when you have less than a five on your check. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, do I sense anything? Yes. Cool. Thanks. (laughs) 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 But I'll say perception checks for that particular character have always been a struggle. I don't know why but it's just been like perception check and you're like garbage i'm like
3: four (laughs) i usually hold up one hand it's that's usually my score is one hand worth (laughs) yeah it happens i'm a charisma based character not a wisdom based character
0: yeah it's okay there are wisdom based characters and then like chris's monk is like aha with my 45 perception i can see seven miles away that there is a tiny fly on a leaf (laughs) and you're like (laughs)
2: <laughs>
3: I'm gonna kill it with my legendary oh, weapon
2: <laughs> playing, that is so good though just Ugh. like so what do you do with your really high passive perception I notice everything and it <laughs> really amps up my anxiety oh no not for Chris's
0: character he's like yeah he's
2: like totally zen about it
0: he's one punch man he's one punch oh, okay. man <laughs> <laughs>
2: alright say say no more yeah
0: you go that is your destiny he's like I'm on it <laughs> Yeah. Anyone else have anything uh, like a weapon that really stands out in your mind is, I guess maybe it didn't perform the way you thought it would.
2: A bar? A bar. So I was playing a fighter in a different campaign and there was a bar fight. I thought, ah, I will never be unarmed because I will grab stools and like pool cues and everything else. They all broke as soon as yeah. like I used them. <laughs>
0: After you smash them over someone's head, you're like, oh, man, it's ruined now.
2: I also did not have proficiency with uh, bar equipment. So uh, (laughs) that would probably be it. How much property damage did you do and how much did it cost you? I mean, the barbarian came out with more property damage. Oh, okay. That's cool. I was just a fighter. But it was just like. Right, tavern brawler is an actual feat you can take.
0: (laughs) I think one that kind of is standing at my head right now from the the campaign as Belinda, I have this life's blade (laughs) dagger, which is awesome. But literally, if I'm using it, it means I'm probably about to die because I should never be within dagger stabbing range (laughs) of anyone. (laughs) So I'm like, Tony, it's an amazing weapon. I hope I never, ever have to use it because it means probably everyone else is down.
2: We do very much play like the Mr. President get down when it comes to keeping you safe.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. We're just going to make responsible choices here. We all want to get out of this safe, happy, alive, (laughs) all that. So yeah, it's sort of like having a dagger as a wizard. You're like, if I'm using this, it means there's literally nothing else I can do. So I am probably about to die. So I guess we'll see if that comes up in the campaign. <laughs> it's a great weapon, though. Anything said out to you, Jane?
1: No, I'm afraid I, I don't have anything for this one. I have not <laughs> as much experience as you guys, so no.
0: No, what I'm hearing is your weapons are awesome. Yeah, pretty much. I have no yeah. problem. Yeah, <laughs> good stabbing, especially yep. yeah with the stabbing. That's a good answer too. You don't have any tragic stories like some of us Not yet. <laughs> also, Rachel, going back to the iron Fang thing, it also gave you a flaw. I kind of thought that's what you were going to say. Is the negative about it is that it made you really want to smash no. things? <laughs> You're like, no, that's cool. No, no that's that cool. A problem. That was totally cool.
3: Yeah, but the fact that the the perception thing, the most almost the most useful thing about the weapon, like being able to sense creatures like through walls and stuff. Never worked. <laughs> Ever. I think one time it did.
0: One time. And I think, and you were like, ah, this is amazing. I now have a taste for it. And the next time it was like total crit found, you're like, well, it was cool while I yep, lasted." it. Yep. All right. Here's a good question. Who is your most hated NPC? And they... Said from either official books or homebrew, like in in any campaign or story, who is the worst in your mind?
2: Like somebody that I personally dislike or something that my players disliked?
0: Let's go with who do you personally dislike? Who's that NPC that you think about and you're just like, ugh, I have one. So spoiler for episodes that have been released so far, it would be Doc, the guy who's like, I'm a Githzerai, I come from another plane with a tale of destruction. Help me get the message out. We're like, uh, okay, (laughs) Yeah. That seems, that seems fine. We've rescued you. You're great. Ah, I'm going to stab your cleric. No, why? Uh, oh, oh, you're an incubus assassin. Cool. Thanks, Tony. Now we can't trust literally anyone. And I'm like, in retrospect, he was super sketchy and we should have been more aware. I don't know. We were tired. It made sense at the time. But like, that's the NPC that I look back and I'm like, oh, that guy. He seemed so like mild mannered that I guess we're like, Yeah, I guess he's all right. Sure, his story sounds completely crazy, but we can trust him. No, literal backstabber. (laughs) But he's dead now. So there's some solace there. There's nothing like killing an NPC you hate and being like thinking they're never coming back because Tony had planned for him to come back. He admitted it. He was supposed to escape. (laughs) But no, (laughs) we never let them escape. (laughs) Sorry, that's not exactly a spoiler for stuff coming up, but that's our MO for serviceable plots is we don't want to fight anyone, but if we do, we want them dead or captured.
2: No survivors. <laughs> no survivors, no witnesses.
0: <laughs> so Doc is my, I think my most personally hated NPC in recent memory. Did you have one, Rachel, from anything you played?
3: Your game again, it's mm-hmm. going to be the uh, Reginald Simulacrum person oh. that was just obnoxious, and we tried giving him drugs, and... Okay, like- <laughs> I
0: feel like you have to explain more, otherwise it just sounds insane. <laughs> it all made some sort of sense in context, it I swear. It doesn't I just- make sense to me, but okay. <laughs> okay, I don't know. It sort of all worked at the time. He was
3: essentially like a... a I don't
0: remember what he was. A clone? He was- no, he was a yeah. He was a sim. He wasn't a clone because clones aren't like officially a thing. And I was like, I'm going to use what's already existing in d d So he was a simulacrum of a player character who didn't know he was a simulacrum.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was really weird, but he was like super obnoxious, super oh, yeah, arrogant, mm-hmm. just the worst. He was the worst. <laughs> yes, and he wasn't particularly yeah. bad. He was just annoying. It. And we're like, we need to either kill him or get rid of him, like now.
0: Please. Yeah, I like where you. You had conversations, you're like, he's not evil. I just really hate don't like him. him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's just I just. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe the world's better off. He's a simulacrum. What are the ethics of this situation? <laughs> like, is it wrong to kill him? He Does he really exist? Does he have a soul? Yeah. Like, there were a lot there of was conversations. A lot of back and forth on that guy.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I was like, I've done such a good job as a DM by giving them an ethical and moral dilemma and a really annoying NPC at the same time. Oh, I had no idea what you guys were gonna do. If I'd had to bet, I would have bet you guys killed him <laughs> ahead of time. Uh, but you didn't. No. We didn't I Yeah
3: We I remember we went back and forth About it though Because we're like He's not really a person But he kind of is a person And yeah and then we give him drugs. <laughs> <laughs> that was sort of
0: unrelated. <laughs> just like, let's knock him out so he doesn't have to deal with it Well, him no, there a was a
3: chance, like a one in six chance it would knock him out. Yes. As, I don't remember which drug it was, but it was one of those ones where you roll the die and it randomly yeah. has an effect. And it was like, could make everything extra sensitive. Could make pleasure feel like pain. <laughs> could make pain feel like pleasure. Could just knock him out. I feel like I out.
0: have to explain. This is like a reference material from, oh, shoot, Ed I just Green grabbed the Woods name of the book. Ed Greenwood's like Guide to the Forgotten Realms. Yeah. So there's like a whole section there on like illegal drugs and they had gotten them from This is like right up (laughs) my alley (laughs) Mike's like oh man I want in on this
2: (laughs) Black market economics come on
0: Yeah well
3: No he had gotten I think two uses from it from uh, carousing he woke up with it like in his pocket One of the guys (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't question it he was like
0: oh cool I have drugs now Didn't tell
3: the party about it either until that moment when he's like oh by the way I have this We'll
0: just give it to him and see how it goes like, what? Wait, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in the end, you were able to basically, like, not kill him, but resolve it by... Shipping him off. By solved. By what? Shipping, by shipping him, him off. <laughs> him off. By, by literally almost buying him off and getting him to leave. Basically, yeah. <laughs> in a nutshell. Yeah, he was a really annoying NPC. I'm really good at playing obnoxious NPCs. I'd say it's my greatest strength as a, as a GM <laughs> <laughs> is making hateable characters. <laughs> though afterwards Rachel's like, <laughs> like and I'm like it's just the NPC I'm not really like that not that much I mean you know it's by degrees <laughs> but yeah yeah fake Reginald was pretty bad Jane you have anyone that stands out as someone you you have disliked? I have someone that stands out but I don't think I can mention it yet because it's not really come out I think you yeah. could refer around it without saying specifically maybe what it is you hate about this NPC <laughs> <laughs>
1: I might be thinking of a different one to what you're thinking of, I don't know.
0: <laughs> I mean I think there's two that yeah, there that are two.
1: Yeah, there, there are two.
0: Well there's one I-, I can say slight spoiler, Rumble Squad has acquired a new antagonist <laughs> <laughs> in recent in recent sessions. Oh, this the- guy. Uh, oh, this guy? <laughs> <laughs> yes mike's like yes i'm in on this i know i think that is someone who you guys are mm-hmm. going to learn to hate even more over time mm-hmm. because tony likes to play diabolical npc villains like if he's going for like a, a boss sort of thing he doesn't want someone you just want to kill it's someone you're just like oh i hate everything about them <laughs> because they're so controlling or deceptive or just i don't know overly involved in the story so Mm -hmm. they keep popping up over Mm -hmm. and over again you know, so you can't ignore them Nope. So that might be one That's Uh, that's one, and up until that point I liked said person, now I'm like (laughs) 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 So there's an element of betrayal as well to the NPCs you hate, right, sometimes? Mm -hmm. Like, I think hateable NPCs can either be someone, you just meet them and you're like, I hate their personality. (laughs) Like, it's it's bad. They're a jerk, like Rachel was saying. Or it could be like, I met them, they seemed cool. I thought we were friends until Mm -hmm. it turned out Mm -hmm. that they were evil. So... Yeah, I think I think that's fair, Jane. Uh, I, I know it's hard with the spoilers. I know yeah. you'd like to rant. So we'll say maybe next mailbag episode, you can rant about this <laughs> that, NPC. That people, yes. <laughs> so, Mike, you've had some time to think. Is there someone who stands out to you? Yes.
2: <laughs> oh, so yes, <laughs> a, li- a couple of months back, I was playing in a Ravenloft campaign like Curse of Strahd. Mm-hmm. And there was a particular barony that had had a particular baron that w- was in cahoots with Strahd. He was the most obstructive bureaucrat I had ever met. <laughs> the, the, city wow. had its, sort of, the city had its problems, like, because it's Barovia, you know, as you do. Of course, of course, it's hard. Everyone in the city was cor- like, they were trying to do the right thing, but he just enabled the corruption and just a poorly operating city state. <laughs> And it got to the point because I was playing I was playing a fey packed warlock that we just got fed up and I convinced the changeling rogue to go along with me and we kind of sort of Set him up in his own prison and took over his life for about (gasps) a week.
0: (laughs) Wait, so you were running his illegal, corrupt business practices for him? Sort of running
2: it into the ground on purpose? (laughs) Ah. (laughs) Mismanagement was your approach to getting to dealing with a villain? Well, because his wife was actually like a legitimate person, so we sent her off to to go and like talk to another barony while we ran the entire barony to the ground. And then once we were done, we uh, kind of knocked him out, left him in his bed, and then uh, informed the people who hated him the most after we were done where he was. <laughs> And wow. then we left the barony.
0: I was going to say that sounds really awful, but then, Jade, I'm thinking about what we did in we the did Darkest Timeline episode. Yeah. <laughs> you can talk about that, Jade, because that has been released. That was an NPC we hated for oh, almost hated zero it. reason. Like, What's we had to do almost <laughs> terrible, that too. That's a reason? Yeah, so if you haven't listened to that, basically, that's when Belinda and Nissa, and this alternate timeline, are criminals who do crime, you know, because <laughs> it know. pays. And Tony introduced us to an NPC, and I don't remember what else he said about them, because it's all like a blur. But he said, he has a tattoo with a poem about freedom. <laughs> and we're just like,
1: ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Up until that point, he sounded okay. And then the minute Tony said that, it was like, Ugh.
0: Nope. Yeah, it's probably the most petty reason I've ever hated an NPC. So spoiler if you haven't listened to it. What did we do, Jane? <laughs> we may have set him up and got him killed. Yeah, he deserved it, he we deserved
2: decided. It. Uh, <laughs> High five.
0: Hey, he, I mean, he tried to set us up. Come on. It's true. He did try to set us up, but we actually didn't know that when we decided to set him up. But we decided it kind of canceled out. Exactly. We just were better at it. Yeah we were just more successful um but yeah i i think tony was later like why, why did you hate him so much i'm like i don't know there's just something about a tattoo with a poem about freedom that just seemed really obnoxious um and to our characters who were in that version you know hardened criminals <laughs> so let me clarify though to be fair i think Not prime timeline belinda would also be like ew
2: yeah gross.
1: <laughs> exactly. that's a no
0: so pretentious like yeah i think that that's Maybe speaks more to who we are as players <laughs> than our characters, but I don't care. Yeah, but so, I don't so, care. <laughs> yeah. I don't even remember what his name was off the top of my head, but
2: Allure. <laughs> ew. Yeah, his, his name, name was-, was Allure and he uh. had a poem in a tattoo. Yep.
0: Yes. Yep. I hate <laughs> him as well. So <laughs> we hated him. <laughs> So, so, Mike, are you vindicating us? Did we do the right
2: thing by setting him up to be brutally murdered by the mob? I'm pretty sure prime timeline scrib would be like, wow, the calligraphy <laughs> on that is super bad. I'm embarrassed oh, for him.
0: Yeah, we didn't even ask Tony what it said. We didn't want to know. Like,
2: <laughs> no, you missed the opportunity to have Tony free-form poetry. You, <gasps>
0: we did. <laughs>
2: Dang it! A free Mad Libs poem from Tony himself?
0: (laughs) You can follow up with Tony when you're doing your darkest time. Like, Tony, improvise poetry for me.
2: No, no, no. Then I'll be forcing it. No, no.
3: Not if you're like, wow, that's a really nice tattoo poem on your arm. What's it
2: say? Well, yeah, but I'm not going to ask him, like, so are there any NPCs around that have a tattoo that says, like, and then I just grab a random word that talks about, like, oh, I don't know, freedom?"
3: freedom? But that's different. The difference is you pointing out that the NPC has the tattoo. Then he's forced to admit that the NPC has the (laughs) tattoo.
0: (laughs) Or Tony just goes, no, I'm not doing this. (laughs) Which is something he's been learning as a DM to do (laughs) when we're like, you know, laughing. Like you torment us,
3: we get to torment you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'll say as a DM, I'm pretty good at that just going. I'm not playing this game. I'm sorry. (laughs) And we go, you out, you outnumber me. Uh, It's not fair. Um, I'm not going to punish your characters. I'm just going to say no as a DM. (laughs) And you guys are like, oh, you're no fun. We'll circle back later. (laughs) Yeah, We'll put a pin in it. (laughs) So I think we had some good questions about DMing. Uh, One that I think stood out was, what are your experiences using homebrew versus modules as a DM? And I think that could also be what your experience is as a player. Because I think most of us have, run or played in a module and also a homebrew campaign. Yep. So Rachel, you want to, I know you've been running for the kids a couple of different things Mm -hmm. at different times.
3: Yeah. So we do, when we do our like D&D camps, we do a lot of homebrew stuff. Uh, We have them create one page dungeons, which is basically a, it's not really a dungeon, but it's a one page encounter. So you have like, everything is all inclusive on one sheet of paper and it gives the kids a chance to come up with their own like mini story and do stuff. And then we also create them ourselves and then run them for the kids usually just to show like, this is You know, somebody who's been DMing for a while, this is how we do it. So I've been using that a lot with them just because it actually is a really good way to create a sort of one shot Mm -hmm. adventure. I don't know how it would work in the long run. I'd have to create a bunch of those and then like string them together somehow. (laughs) (laughs) try to come up with some sort of meta plot that like connected the dots yeah which the the most recent one i did i did have a sort of reason why the adventures were where they were at which was there's a big war going on to the south and they had been sent north to find a magical item that could supposedly help stop the war so that would have been like the long run campaign would be stopping the war, but the short term thing is getting said magical item. So for like preparing for those, it's it's done in about an hour with the kids. <laughs> it's usually a hot mess. It's a lot of fun, but it's easy. So-
0: <laughs> Accepting the hot mess is part of the process, is what you're, it sounds like you're saying. I mean, like, it won't be neat and tidy. Things don't necessarily run on time. It just sort of is happening. Yeah. And you know yeah. my style is more off the cuff
3: anyway, so it works for my, my
0: preparation style. Like, that's mostly bullet points.
3: Yeah, you're as, definitely more of a improvisational deal. Yeah. But as far as running, like, I am running for my regular kids. I'm running Tomb of Annihilation. Uh, I usually leave off... Like whenever we play, I end the can you know in the session saying, What are you guys planning to do next time? Because Otherwise, they won't remember, and I won't have any idea how to prep. So I ask them specifically, what are you planning to do next time? If they're in the middle of a fight, obviously they're going to finish the fight. If they've just left off at a fight, you know, I'll say, okay, you've just finished the fight. What do you plan to do with these NPCs that you were fighting alongside? And they'll give me, you know, like a one sentence. Oh, we're going to talk to them. Cool. That's all I need to know so that I know that you're not just going to bail out. You save them and run away. Like, And then
0: you're just like, peace, and, yeah. and you
3: leave. But that's how i kind of... Per- prepare for them, I don't know, making it my own, I usually try to pull in stuff either from their backstories or I sort of modified uh, when I ran Lost Minds of Phandelver.
0: Mm -hmm. I was about to say.
3: (gasps) Yeah, when I ran that, I completely redid I kept the map but I kind of redid the whole final dungeon for that and made it very much custom for the players because I had one player that was doing a wild magic sorcerer so I had decided that there was like this forge that crafted magic items in the dungeon and that's why her magic power she wanted it more chaotic So by level five, she was rolling a 1d4 for her wild magic. And on a one, it would go off. And the reason was she was closer to the thing that had basically given her the power. So it was like amping it up.
0: So from your perspective, it's really about tailoring it to the player characters. What's going to make it a more engaging and meaningful experience for them beyond just what the module provides?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Just adding, even if it's just like a little breadcrumb, like, oh, you found a ring from your hometown
0: or something. They're like, what? (laughs) What? Gasp! (laughs) You found this book that is locked! No um yeah. <laughs> They've heard the story of the book. The I know it never gets old to me. I love the story of the book because it's just such an iconic sort of D and D type of story. It's such where
3: a new DM thing to do
0: <laughs> to say, "Here's a book, don't touch it." Why do you want it so badly? I don't know, Rachel. You told us not to touch you told it. Us not to touch it. We must have it. I think that's on you. I'm just saying. I know. <laughs> we must have it. We must guard it with Look, our I'd lives.
3: I've never DM before. Okay, it was
0: a mistake, <laughs> <laughs> and we know. And we had played before, so our instincts were terrible. But it, but it worked out. Yeah. You know? So Jade, I know you have run Storm King's Thunder. What are your thoughts from that experience?
1: I mean I'm enjoying running it. I'm running it currently. It's it's interesting. It's hard. They've yeah. A lot of the combat and stuff in it, it's like, how much do they want to throw at my players? What? <laughs> I have scaled some of that back a little bit because I'm kind of soft and I'm like, no, that's too much. <laughs> oh,
0: you're a nice DM. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I think I have to try and get the balance then of not scaling it back too much, because obviously there needs to be some challenge there still.
0: because So that's kind of a balance, but... So you're kind of adjusting the combat to kind of get it into that sweet spot of what yeah. you and your players are looking for? Yeah. So I've read one section of Storm King's Thunder, Deadstone Cleft. Oh, that's my next section. <laughs> I love Deadstone Cleft. I thought it was great. They yeah. only did half of it and then they left it. I was like, cool. Yeah. I prepped everything. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel's character still haunted by we left those goats behind. Like they were literally just random goats; they didn't have anything. She's like, "That's, That's why we needed to save them. <laughs> they save didn't the have goats. anything. <laughs> that was their home. They lived there. <laughs> they looked sad and crowded, and crowded." But actually, I think Storm King's Thunder, from what I read, was was one of the better written books of the early modules. Yeah. I thought it was pretty. It had a good amount of information. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think part of it is also I've read Princes. It's kind of like. I'm trying to think of something nice to say cults, about it. Cults, 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 cults Do cults, you, cults. you hate cultists? <laughs> then you're in the right place. Do you not hate cultists? Why are you here and in this game? That's been the problem with the game. <laughs> if you don't just have a hatred of all cultists, it's kind of hard to hook the players into the storyline beyond, I hate this cult. Okay, we've taken care of it. Well, I feel like I'm done here now. Yep. So I'm like, done. Great. <laughs> So in a sense, I've loved running it. There's been a lot – there's some really good NPCs that are built into the book that have become part of the world for us. But most of what my players have loved has been what I homebrewed because it's not the most tight storyline. It's more just like, here's Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you know, you'll fight some sort of prince of elemental evil, one of them. And that's it from a, a story arc perspective. And I also have a tendency as a DM just to have ideas that I like where I'm like, ooh, this is fun. I want to do this. How do I sort of fit that in the story and have it make at least 60% sense? And that's kind of why my campaign has lots of confusing stories with simulacrum <laughs> people who have nothing to do with Prince of the Apocalypse,
3: but and sort it of- it sounds like a super
0: poorly written hey,
2: soap opera. <laughs> hey, Oh, oh, admit it. And Wait a minute. Oh. I thought we did discuss that you love drama.
0: I love drama. I okay. crave the drama <laughs> as a DM. If things are getting boring, I want more drama. <laughs> I always try to tie it into the player's backstories, the player character backstories, so it's not just completely random. Like, here's this person who's unrelated to everything. It's like, here's this person who seems unrelated, but wait. <gasps> it's so-and-so's long-lost father's brother's uncle's cousin's nephew.
2: No. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> and then he rides in on a horse. I mean, maybe. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, Spanish soap operas are different <laughs> from, from your difficult oh. days of our lives. Oh, I,
0: I know. And actually, I don't just clarify, I don't watch soap operas really, except for as a child, I would watch them with my mom, but we would turn the sound off because, you know, there's inappropriate stuff in there. And then we would just dub over what we thought they could be saying based on their dramatic faces. Works great for Spanish soap operas, too. They're even more dramatic. And it's how I <laughs> learned keywords like mentira.
2: <laughs> Mentiros. <is> like, uh,
0: <laughs> it's a classic scene opening line you just call someone a liar (laughs) and the rest just naturally follows i think the book lacked any sort of drama or hook it just is dungeons and monsters which and some dragons So i guess dungeons and also dragons
2: but <laughs> also dragons. <laughs> but you need more you need dungeons I'll... and dragons and drama uh, the three
3: <laughs> that's these. A, yes that's sort of what i'm after and dine-ins and dives and <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> you no guy thought you could escape flavor town that easily <laughs>
0: So I'll say, though, the flip side is that's created a lot more work for me. So I've essentially been running a module and doing a full homebrew on top of it. But I like prepping. I find it fun and satisfying. And I also accept that a large part of what I do will never be used. And I just file <laughs> it away for something else. Like, okay, they didn't do the mm-hmm. other half of that. I'm okay with that. I'll save it for another thing. I just want it to be fun. And I want some gasps sometimes. It's It's gone pretty well, when you say, Rachel? There's yeah. been dramatic moments oh, where yeah. it's like, Oh, <gasps> 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 Yeah, hate that person. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Success. So so Mike, how about you? Running or playing in modules versus homebrew?
2: I love using modules as subsections of my homebrew games because I hate maps. <laughs> I Oh yeah. I just I <laughs> listen, most of the games that I like my longest campaigns, besides like my big initial D D campaign, have been in fate and fate boils down to just draw some generic zones and that is your battle map and that is it and I don't need to worry about anything else what is this big block that is a parking lot what about this block that is a building how tall is it however tall I need it to be for the story
0: Yeah, Rachel, see this. I'm bad at maps. I-, I theoretically could get better, but I'm completely lacking in any motivation because they're like, "What is that?" I'm like, "It's a green blob. It's obviously a tree or a bush. Which one is it?" Draws a little little trunk. It's a tree. <laughs> um. <laughs>
2: it's, it's just that for the amount of time that I would invest in making a good map, because I have, it just takes me so long, yeah. and it's something that you only use once, and it's done.
0: Well. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I know Rachel loves maps.
2: If you have a bunch of spare sci-fi maps, I'm in the sci-fi campaign right now, and I would love some maps.
0: Are you trying to outsource your map work to Rachel? <laughs> I will
2: outsource as much work to my campaign as I can because hit me up in well, DMs. I- no,
0: <laughs> you know where to find. You know where
2: to find. Well, also, I will
0: say, Rachel, you have artistic skill and
2: practice. I watched so a
3: lot of Blue's Clues. Okay, I used to babysit <laughs> a kid, so you know. that's that's where it all
0: started. That's where it all started. (laughs) (laughs)
2: But in terms of going away from just the physical resources and into like story, I'm very much in the same vein as Rachel where I will take the plot and then retweak it to fit into what I'm dealing with with the players. So um, there was a fourth edition module called uh, the seven pillared hull. Mm-hmm. And the PCs were sent there by a wizard that they knew from the small town that they were trying to build up. And then I just rejiggered bits of the plot to fit in that sort of framework with the campaign that I had. And then that module leads to another module and I can put stuff in between the little modules to help build out their personal stories.
0: So it seems like we all kind of are like magpies, we're drawn to shiny objects, like, okay, like that I like, that I don't like. I think that's the fun part of DMing, is sort of seeing what's out there and what ideas you have and sort of smushing it together (laughs) 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 to create something hopefully coherent. That's my end goal.
2: Well, it's important also to, because as a player, I've had bad experiences, both in that Ravenloft campaign I was telling you about and in previous ones, where... If you just read the text block that they give you in the module, it can just kind of kill any momentum and interest that your party has in what's going on. Yeah. If I could... Have a nickel for the number of times I heard the phrase "You look over the hills of gray green grass," from <laughs> gray, like gray green, <laughs> gray green grass underneath a gray sky, do- like Ooh. doppling across the all this purple Much gray. prose,
0: very gray. Was this that in like- the UK by any chance? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Are you looking outside, Jane? and you're like, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> that checks
2: out. <laughs> it, it, it was just the the wooden tone. Like, I don't want to sit in a cutscene.
0: Yeah, I will say some people are really into that as players or as, as viewers or listeners to different things where they really are into that sort of like intensely narrative description of what's what the scenery is like and what everything looks like. I'm not drawn to that. I'm more just like, tell me what I need to know. What's functional here? <laughs> like. What are the people? What does the space generally look like? I guess what they're wearing if it's fabulous, but
2: otherwise, I don't care. But like for that sort of thing, I use touchstones from common media and stuff. Like in a sci-fi campaign, I might say it's close to Tatooine in terms of what the locale is like. You have your three stars, you have a desert landscape. Much desert, very dry. (laughs) Much desert, very dry. (laughs) You have people in ramshackle armor going around and blasters that aren't well-maintained. And the city guard looks at you as just like, all right, listen, are you going to bribe me or are we going to talk? Let's-
0: Can't you just say, even sure that you just say, it's a wretched hive
2: of scum and villainy. (laughs) I have used that for two planets in a recent description. Wow. Very wretched. (laughs) Well, one of them is wretched Las Vegas and the other one is just straight up a wretched hive of scum and villainy.
0: Oh, if it's wretched Las Vegas, then it's Nar Shaddaa, just to clarify if you're going for a Star Wars reference.
2: I will work on that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the Vegas trash planet <laughs> where all of the scum and villainy happens. It's in Knights Build Republic, among some of the other books. Sorry, Rachel, we won't talk too much it's about fine. Star Wars. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, like, I it can't no be helped. Also, Jane and I will start fighting about, you know, the merits of the rebels Don't versus not, the Imperials. Lady. <laughs> <be that. laughs>
2: Listen, the Empire is right. That's it. <gasps> <Thanks>. <gasps> I forgot. <laughs> Jane's, you Jane's may not so want to have talk i would gladly talk
0: yeah mike wants to have this this is the question no one asked whose side are you on i'm like i need to mute the empire is heavily corrupt however look how
2: bad the rebels are at she legitimately muted <laughs> she's just going Rah. i'm just saying the rebellion has a lot of problem, like they're bringing up problems, but they don't have solutions. No solutions. By the way, Jane, Absolutely. Audacity's still recording you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna hear Jane's track
2: also, separately. Also, I, I, I would like to clarify. I'm a fan of the old Empire, not the new. Like, what it? What is the He's Empire? The new order.
0: Th- you still? No, dead I'm not, to me I'm now, not like. a fan of. <gasps>
2: Whoa. Whoa! Shots fired. want you to off. The new. The new <laughs> it's order. It's Terrible. New order because they. I don't know. The first know. order.
0: First order. So I said the right Thank Yeah, you. The first order. Yeah. The, the first order is
2: absolute garbage because they all shout and like murder their subordinates <laughs> if they do something wrong. Classic like...
0: worst empire traits. Yeah. Yeah. I-, I will say also, just to bring it back to the podcast, I literally <laughs> am playing a character whose like ideal is to like help sustain the empire. It- it's only briefly been mentioned so far, but we'll see in coming episodes. She's kind of a super patriot. like As, as long as the Bremer empire is okay, that's. You <laughs> know it's not Tony's like here is an empire It is well run, people are happy Surely that is all Everything is wonderful, that's why you're adventuring here Because the world is great <laughs> Mm-hmm Yeah hey, Stom- Strongly Rubo, disagree Yeah <laughs> It's okay. I think, uh, I don't know how much this will play to be a character flaw down the road for for Belinda, but it's definitely one of her, her strong ideals as well. Structure and order is important. Sure, it's not perfect, but it's better than war, Ugh. chaos, anarchy, death, etc. Working great. within the system. What are you talking about? Chaos is great. So in a sense, Jade, our actual arguments about Star Wars kind of go back to our characters, which this and Belinda are not <laughs> no, on the same no. side. <laughs> <laughs> what are the odds nissa would join like a rebel group given the chance where they're like hey people are impoverished they're being kept down by the powers that be will you rise up and help them but oh, yeah, she's like- sorry, <laughs> so this, this, this would be like yeah yeah i can dig it uh, <laughs> yeah 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 what about elaine rachel is she like how lawful is she she's i think she's lawful good actually i more just bet yeah i, I figured she was lawful good, but oh. also just kind of in her her respect for the system she's not interested in tearing the system down she's just trying to do her job right i mean she can't get paid for the job okay so she's like as long as i'm getting paid i don't care if there's corruption yeah <laughs> just basically maybe yeah me. i think scriv is going to be a character where this might be challenged because he's been mm-hmm. raised to be very lawful and like respecting the power structures that exist
1: no, Martin, rebel. Go for
2: the chaos. <laughs> yeah, his character has friends who are more chaotic. And I think in the coming session, that might come to a head.
0: That might happen today because we're recording Serviceful Flots later. So stay tuned. We'll see if Scriv becomes an anarchist. Belinda will be very disappointed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> She's not that angry. Might break his heart.
0: Just, <laughs> just the disappointment. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Scrive's going to be like, oh, no oh no but yeah I think it's interesting having different viewpoints also I I just want to clarify from my Star Wars perspective I don't think the Empire is good I just think they do a better job at running the galaxy than the Rebels ever
2: would like would you prefer the Trade Federation still be in power come (laughs) on (laughs) I I just want
1: to
0: clarify I'm not evil (laughs) no not that I'm not evil I'm not supporting evil behavior or corruption I'm just saying but you though so you are
1: supporting evil
0: oh man yeah I know Jay, Jay and I were talking about Rogue One and I'm like best scene Darth Vader murdering people (laughs) so good I want that scene as a movie why can't I be watching that movie it was cool it didn't make a lot of sense but I didn't care Um, because it was like dark side powers and just menacing.
1: Never mind the little people and their fight. No, we want to go to the big, bad, murdering people.
0: (laughs) I don't know those people. They were just... (laughs) (laughs) I don't
1: care about those
0: people. (laughs) Yeah, they're just some cannon fodder. I'm sorry, Jane. They didn't have personalities. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Harsh. In the story of the world, we had not been given Mm -hmm. any reason to care about them. Also, they have to die. The story's already established further on, so we know they're not gonna make it.
1: I I was okay with this.
0: (gasps) Yes! Come to the dark side. No,
1: no, 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 okay. I'm going back to quietly seething now. Leave me alone.
0: <laughs> Tony's gonna have to edit this and decide. Do I leave in the long Star Wars talk? And I'm gonna say, Tony, when you listen to this, yeah, leave it in. It's good. It's contentious, controversial, provocative.
2: Because that's what people listen to this for: edgy content. Oh, <laughs> uh,
0: we're so not edgy at all. Like,
2: <laughs> You're arguing over Star Wars ethics. No. <laughs> I think not, you guys are fine. Not
0: for the first time either.
2: Wait, <laughs> I, what?
0: Oh, Jane and I have had this talk like, I don't know, maybe like five or six times that we always decide that we're still friends at the end, but that literally neither of us is going to change our minds. <laughs> I mean, I saw The Last Jedi. The rebels are a mess. <laughs> So I don't think they can be trusted in any sort of official capacity. The galaxy is very large. So it takes infrastructure and they have nothing. They can't even manage their fuel,
2: Jane. They can't even manage their fuel. But the First Order is filled with a bunch of babies and I know. people who scream. That's Snoke either. got blindsided. Come on. <laughs> There's a
0: lot of shoutiness, but also good costuming. I will say, like, you know, those crisp white uniforms, very nice. Always been a fan of the costuming that's not the whole reason i support the empire but i'm making a point in their favor
2: that is an argument against the empire imagine the amount of tax dollars being put into their laundry are you do are we do we need to get into star wars economics now
0: no because i could i could talk extensively about that so could you but it's not fair to rachel james that's why the
1: rebels are penniless you guys are taxing us for you stupid uniforms I
0: mean, she brings
2: up a very good point. Thank
0: you, Mike. I stand by. I stand by it, <laughs> Jade. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> Appearances are worth stepping on the necks of the rebellion.
0: I'm not saying it's a perfect solution, but overall, you know, when Ember was in charge, things worked. It wasn't perfect, uh-huh. but. Mm-hmm. You know, most people just went about their lives. They got to be wretched and scummy when they wanted to be. I think that's a point in their favor. Sorry. If anyone wants to have us argue about the Star Wars expanded universe, that could be a separate thing. Because or join the Discord content. channel. Oh, I've tried to keep it out of there because... Because yeah, you want to keep your friends? No. I mean, oh. I will go full Scorched Earth, but... It's not too <laughs> well. Jade's like, I liked that movie and I'm like, let me destroy it for you. <laughs> Let me point out the plot holes and why the books were better because that's who I am. She did. Discussing
2: TNT mechanics, I sleep. Discussing Star Wars,
0: I. I I sunk
1: further down into my chair. I was like, oh.
0: And then and then we decide to talk about jade austen's like yeah. okay but but we're good on this and then we have an argument about can there be more than one person who portrays mr darcy no. well so that's another
2: <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> i'm curious to see how keanu reeves would do it though
3: <gasps> <laughs> out of all the people like, i'm not even into this conversation
0: and, <laughs> <ugh>. <laughs> <laughs> just, just that face, what? and then him trying to do an English accent. <laughs> no, that's exactly
2: what. Okay, listen, fine. Nick Cage. Yes, <laughs> you're making it sound as though I'm not doing it just so I can lampoon on Keanu Reeves I doing Mister Darcy. <laughs>
0: All right, so at least we can all agree that would be truly atrocious, yet we would also kind of like to see the train wreck if that was ever a thing. I don't think they could pay him enough, unfortunately. So sad.
2: Uh, Darn it, it's just all that John Wick money. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) So going back to
0: actual (laughs) questions for the mailbag episode, we had a couple of questions about combat. One was, I think, for DMing. Did you ever plan a battle meant to be difficult, but it turned out very easy?
2: Yes. Mm
0: -hmm. I think every DM has. Actually, I'm gonna ask Jane first because you said sometimes you were. You might be going too soft on your players.
1: Yeah, I, I can't think of the specific battle now, but the, the there has been a couple in Storm King's Thunder, and I I was like, no, that's just too much. And then <laughs> players actually rolled fairly decently. I rolled terribly for the enemy, so it was over kind of fairly quicker than I thought. And afterwards, I was like, oh, oops. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm learning from that. I'm trying to not to be like too easy now.
0: I will say when you're running a campaign, there's some out of figuring out. Mm-hmm. We've talked about challenge ratings being wildly inaccurate for our groups. I think some of it is just figuring out your group mm-hmm. and accepting. Sometimes you don't know what the roles will be like. It could yeah. be bad or it could be awesome.
1: I've also had the reverse. I've had ones that I thought were going to be really easy and we'd walk through it. They've taken ages because we had such terrible roles. It was ridiculous. And we were there for ages with this one fire. It was so frustrating.
0: <laughs> Where you're like, just end it just please be over (laughs) yeah i've I've been like that before i think i've talked about one before where i had some zombies that literally jumped off a ledge and died before anyone fought them Mm -hmm. that was probably the easiest one (laughs) i've ever run it was like initiative zombies oh they fell they're dead that was one of the first comments i ever ran i was (laughs) like shambled off the edge and (laughs) (laughs) died that was running it straight from the book by the way and i was like book you have betrayed me (laughs) but uh another one i had is i used a one-eyed shiver which is a monster from from the Toma Beasts. And he has like this like crystally frozen eye that he can use to cast spells. Opened the door, got punched in the face, died round one, no spells.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's why you let the monk go first. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Chris was like, monk,
3: yes! Does he have a weird looking eye? Yes, he has a weird looking eye. He punches him in the eye.
0: Yes. yeah and then you all just like beat him to death and i think i'd rolled like a one or a two on initiative so he just straight up died he didn't even get to, didn't get to make any saves. i was like okay so that was a fun fight that was supposed to take like an hour but it took five minutes so you guys are like loot the room and i'm like okay <laughs> we're moving on <laughs> Yeah. And it was good rolls. Like overall, I think that was one of the times, Rachel, where you rolled well on initiative and you were super happy and then everyone else rolled better on initiative. Yeah,
3: probably. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I got an 18 in initiative. And everyone's like, well, I got a 19 and a 20 and a 27. And I'm like, fine, I'll go last again as
0: usual. I think that was one of the fights where they're like, hey, 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 leave someone for Rachel at the end. So like, don't don't totally kill him. Let her get one hit in. And Rachel's like, (laughs) seething. But yeah. And honestly, I don't think that was the difficulty of the monster. They just did really well. They ambushed him, they killed him. I'm like, we all didn't right.
3: ambush him. We like knocked on the door and he opened it.
0: Well, he thought you were one of his troll friends or something. <laughs> so, so he.
3: <laughs> I, I think Chris's character walked up, knocked on the door, and he yeah. opened it. And Chris is like, does he have a weird looking eye? I punch him. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> yeah. By the way, they had some reference that he, that's who they were looking for. He didn't just randomly ask them about every NPC if I'll they all had weird looking mm-hmm. eyes. <laughs> that was specific to that NPC. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was one of the ones I was like, okay. It happens. Bike, do you have any that have gone awry?
2: Yes. (laughs) Oh,
0: this sounds somber.
2: Have a party. They cross a rope bridge to go into a deep swamp. In the swamp, like the the bridge, sorry, it's not a deep bridge. They they cross a bridge that has a chasm beneath it to go into like this swampy area that's guarded by a hydra. Hydra doesn't win initiative. The warlock (laughs) does polymorph oh polymorph into a t- tiny lizard fighter goes up fighter picks up the lizard they walk back to the chasm throw the lizard in and then walk back to where they were going that's it like oh okay
3: did you give them all inspiration for you know thinking outside the box
0: creative problem solving yeah
2: yeah just well okay then to- i guess i just need to account for that in the future to be fair,
0: that's Mike, an it. they <laughs> yes? did not kill
3: the lizard the fall did, yeah. Loophole, you know. <laughs> it, it,
2: it. Yep. nope, I mean, it <laughs> yep. That that is a dead high. I did not give them the experience for it.
0: But I mean, oh, oh. cheap, Mike, cheap, boom. We I think they earned the it. Yeah. You gave them, you gave them tiny lizard experience. <laughs> <laughs> they overcame the the situation.
2: Ah! Uh, it was. I was so excited. That oh. was one of the times I had a map.
0: Oh!
2: It had terrain effects it's like, no.
0: (laughs) You're like, just kidding. The Kraken had
2: a brother. (laughs) No, I'm not going to do that. But it was just like, they had just leveled and I didn't know about the Warlock invocation that gives a free polymorph. Oh, yeah.
0: That's why you always check your player's sheets. I learned that early.
2: Yeah, well, it's been a while since I'd had to deal with D&D, so...
0: (laughs) That is a sad tale. Apparently we have no sympathy for you. No,
2: none. You guys are criticizing me on my decisions.
0: I think they did a great job. I'd say...
2: I was proud of them, but I was also disappointed. (laughs) Mostly in myself for being like, why didn't I just have it pass the save secretly?
0: Oh, (sighs) yeah. I think creative problem solving is one of those things that can be very exciting for you as a DM and also just devastating. (laughs) Where you're like, ah, I probably should have seen that coming. (laughs) I think we all have times like that. So Rachel, uh, do you have any battles that stand out to you as going awry from what you planned?
3: I don't have any that were meant to be difficult and turned out easy, but I do have a few that have been, they were supposed to be okay, not like super easy, but you know, standard. And they went horribly wrong because I (laughs) rolled crit after crit after crit
2: right die uh, and they yeah. rolled fail
3: after fail after fail after fail so we had a TPk because of that and is that is that your lost mind yeah though? that was my lost mind and yeah. to be fair <laughs> I would have fudged the numbers except they wanted me to roll them publicly. So, I was rolling all of my things public, so they, they knew what I was rolling. I couldn't it's fudge happening.
0: them. <laughs> oh, man. I never fudge. I just accept that sometimes things go awry. I'm like, the dice are what they are. I normally uh.
3: wouldn't accept, in this case, I might have fudged like the second, third, fifth, eighth crit that I had because <laughs> I literally crit almost every time I attacked because I had advantage. And the dice were like, "We are favorable to you today.
0: <laughs> we are happy cr- dice." <laughs> yeah. No, so- that
2: that is the exact reason why my players let me roll behind a screen now.
0: Oh, I roll secretly, but that's just so I can maintain some suspense. I I just accept what happens, happens. Oh, actually, that's a question. It's not on here. Do you guys? Re- reveal what you rolled because i tend to only reveal it if it's a if it's a crit success or crit fail yeah because then the, is, then the drama the starts <laughs> that is
2: the only time i reveal and that's also if the crit isn't like the fifth in a <laughs> cascade of crits <laughs> which is rare but it happens more frequently because i roll more often yeah
0: i'd say i don't think i've ever had a crit cascade as a dm okay i don't think anything t- stands out, Rachel. I know I've had times where you're like, oh, that was a bummer that that crit. But it's usually, I, I don't know. It's just had a well-timed that.
3: crit, usually. It's not it like does the happen. fifth or sixth in a row.
0: No, I haven't had that. Where um, Otherwise, I'd be like, maybe I do have good luck sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, it's all just random chance. Sometimes it works out. And sometimes I can't roll above a 10. And that's always fun, especially when your player characters' ACs are like 20 to 25 because they're <laughs> high level. And you're like, lots of flails, lots of enemy flails, just, just like,
3: waving their little mob. <laughs> monster arms. <laughs> yeah, I think I only reveal because I am running with the kids I reveal I tend to reveal what the NPCs are rolling against each other but I don't reveal what like the damage is so I'll say yes you see that the ogre just hit your NPC friend because I rolled you know a 19 and you know his AT AC is 18 and they're like okay I'm like you see he takes a lot of damage And they're like, how much damage? I'm like, a lot of damage. A lot. Over half of his hit points in damage. And they're like, we need to help him. You know, They, they tend to react better to that than when I give them numbers, though. If I say he takes 46 points of damage, they have no idea how many hit points he started with because he's an NPC. So they react better when I say he took a lot of damage or he has a scratch. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I mean, I guess in a sense I do pretty much the same thing with you guys But <laughs> it's like How bad is it? It's bad It's it's very bad, it's yeah. horribly bad and you're like, okay, we'll take that seriously That sounds bad, yeah, yeah, for sure yeah. bad That's And I bad.
3: often don't Tell them how many and of what Kind of dice I'm doing for damage Though in the instance of the last fight They were fighting a zombie Ankylosaurus So, mm-hmm. and I rolled a crit To hit one of the NPCs So I held up the 4d6 I'm like I'm going to be rolling this twice and their eyes got giant and it was great and then they (laughs) all like sat on the edge of their seats going "Ah, ah, is he dead (laughs) is he dead yet is he dead yet and I was like he is not dead but he is very
0: injured I will say playing online, it's it's a little different. But when we play my game in person, you guys have become very attuned to the sounds of my dice. So even <laughs> if you don't see what I'm rolling, Rachel's like, that's 100% D4s. I can tell. Yeah, like, those d That's D6s. <laughs> I know what that sound is. <laughs> so and I don't like usually tell you because you know, but it doesn't matter. was like, <laughs> oh, just fun. rolling some D4s. Don't worry about it. I hear that clickety click clickety click, click, <laughs> click sound <laughs> that D4s make. <laughs> yes, the dice whispering is real. So I guess anyone else have anything to add on that question about battle planning or combat? Nope. Okay, then I think we'll go on to our last question. We've talked about D&D because that's what we're playing in the campaign. That's what a lot of us are running. But we did have a question about what is your favorite RPG system and why? And I think Mike, this one stood out to you as something you wanted to talk about.
2: That is kind of the entire point of the Bookworms podcast. So but fate would probably be my favorite RPG system.
0: And why is that? The
2: fate fractal makes narrative truth kind of a mechanic that you focus on. It's
0: So quick pause. What is the fate fractal to to those who do not know? Because it sounds like jargon.
2: Okay, so there are these things called aspects, which are these short phrases that describe a quality of something. That idea can be extrapolated to anything. A building can have aspects such as, like, it is big, it is run down, and maybe, like, has a reputation for smuggling. And these are all aspects that you can use to interact with the building. But then you can expand that to, like... A section of a city. The section of the city has a reputation for crime and is associated with particular gangs and whatnot. And those ties can also be aspects.
0: Well, it's it's really like tagging from a from a technology perspective, right? Those are just tags that are being applied.
2: They are tags, but then you can spend fate points, the game currency, which is kind of like inspiration to get bonuses to your checks and rolls on these tags. And these tags are also true. If you roll a check to light something on fire and you add the fire tag to something, it is now on fire. You need to deal with that. And you might be able to spend fate points to get bonuses to attacks by using the thing that is on fire. (laughs) Like it creates a smoke cloud or something and you tag the fire to get a bonus to your stealth check. You still need to deal with the fact that something is on fire.
0: <laughs> but you say it kind of sounds like it's a sort of problem-solving mechanic that really speaks to you.
2: Yeah. It, well, it's not just that. The tags also apply to characters. So while I do have certain skills, I can also use my aspects, my tags, to describe how my character plays, to describe how that character interacts with things. So Scriv could have like perceptive, but anxious as an aspect or something. And then Tony-
0: But anxious. Yes, this is true.
2: But Tony can use a fate point to compel the- anxiety issue that he has
0: i mean tony's not doing that mechanically but narratively he's definitely done that
2: narratively but fate encourages him to do that mechanically as well or if i start playing that up he can pay me an inspiration effectively you're like
0: currency (laughs) yeah it it is a
2: it, it is a currency between the dm and the player that i really like it causes this cycle to go on
0: So I will share something about you. I don't know if Rachel and Jane know this. Uh, Mike and I have had arguments or uh, debates slash discussions about- (laughs) We don't argue. Healthy, friendly debates. Not like the Star Wars debate at all. (laughs) Totally different.
2: Totally different.
0: About what is the thing that drives the world forward? I am very much interested in power differentials. Mike is very much interested in economics. (laughs) So anything anything that comes down to currencies and transactions gets an A+. Yeah.
2: Well said. (laughs)
0: Sorry, to, to summarize your perspective on the world in a couple <laughs> to sentences. To summarize my perspective on the
2: world, money makes everything go around the exchange of goods and services. But no, I really like Fade. It's crunchy enough to satisfy those players, but it's also loose enough to allow for the more narrative role players to interact.
0: I think that makes sense. Jane and Rachel, I know you guys have played a lot of D D. Is there anything else, even if it's not your favorite, that stands out to you that you've enjoyed playing? I did get to play a little bit of Seventh C in mm-hmm. last yes. year's
3: Gen Con and I really liked it. I have the book. I need to read it and find people to play with because I want to try it out more.
2: Me, 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 me. <laughs> I you think have I a have volunteer. A
0: <laughs> Mike's like, let me be on the ocean.
3: <laughs> I don't know. I just really liked the way the mechanics worked. It seemed very light mechanically, but that could have just been the way he was running it because it's a one shot at a Gen Con. So I want to dive into it more. I also played, we did get to play Numenera, which I also very much liked. The mm-hmm. way the, the, again, mechanics worked in that were very from my side of the table as a player, look to be very easy to figure out. Again, have tons of books on it, have not read them yet. <laughs> nor played much more, so. One day maybe, hopefully. Soon. If anybody's listening and wants to pl- No. <laughs> <laughs> Please do
0: not send it to the to, to Rules no, no. Send it to Rachel. Send it to Rachel. <laughs> send it to Rachel. Send it to the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've tried out a few different systems in the past year, because before that I was just in DD, so it's been nice getting different perspectives. Probably the one I've enjoyed most outside of DD as a player would be Blades in the Dark. I really liked a lot. I liked that it was very narrative in combat. I-, I tend to be afraid of getting bogged down in combat, so I like when things just kind of are fast and flow and it's very easy. It definitely is more improvisational in a sense that I am been as a DM, so I know I was sort of apprehensive about running it, but I'm hoping to run a game some point this year for that. I'll try it. You get to do crime! I, know, I, I also love doing things. crime as a player. <laughs> like, I like heisting. Mike and I have talked a lot about how awesome the show Leverage is, so anything that lets us be I wanted like to
2: that. play Blaze in the- Blades in the Dark, but I just haven't been able to find a group for it.
0: I know, I know. So I I definitely would like to do it. It's not the sort of thing I would run as a campaign, but after I finish my current D&D campaign, I'm looking to get out of full-time DMing for a bit and just do one-shots here or there so I can just... Yay! Once we eventually finish my three-year campaign! Someday! I've been very optimistic about how quickly it would wrap up and it's not wrapping up very quickly. But yeah, I liked Blades in the Dark a lot. I, I think it makes sense to me. It's not too hard to pick up and it has downtime activities, which I'm all about. Anything that lets you have a whole mechanic for getting in and out of prison, I'm on board with. So that, that's why I would be and mine. out of prison. And what you can do while you're in prison. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you could be, like, being productive, making some contacts, you know, setting Getting up a an education. fall guy. <laughs> oh, I was going to set up a fall guy for your next job. But yeah, education, that too, for sure. <laughs> Definitely being a reformed member of society and not preparing for future crime. Never. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, how about you, Jane?
1: I haven't played anything other than d and I have the Savage Worlds rule book that I've read a tiny little bit of, but not much
0: yet. At some point, I will try and do something with that. I like Savage Worlds. Yeah. I played... I played it one session. I thought it was fun. It kind of took me a little while to wrap my head yeah. around it, but I think it's pretty fun. Hmm. Like It's definitely different. It sort of has some similarities to D&D, so it's not completely <laughs> unfamiliar, but it's got its own kind of unique mechanics kind yeah. of layered on.
1: So that, and I'd like to look into um, a Star Wars.
0: Star Wars. Uh, Star <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did play Star Wars. I don't remember. Yeah, we were just like,
3: oh, yeah. <laughs> like three years. I was liked that, it. Wasn't
0: that just the Star Wars D20 system? I
3: honestly don't remember. I No, I don't think so. I think it was the, well... I might have been. There were destiny points, if that okay. rings a bell to people who have played it. Like I said, it was like, I don't know, like seven Please years ago. Please comment if you know what it was. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel wants to know. <laughs> I know I played a devil scoundrel and I had so much fun sabotaging everything. <laughs> I'm like, oh, the big bad guy's going to go get in that plane. I'm going to go in there and rewire it to blow up when he starts it. And DM's like, okay, you have such high proficiency. You can do that. I'm like, yes. "Yes." So then we would just hide in the corner and watch it go boom.
0: (laughs) It's like being a hitman in a sense yeah so Jane I know one that we've talked about playing that I need to find time to run is good society so we can be refined ladies who write letters and plant rumors about each other and care about our social standing (laughs) the ultimate in RPGs (laughs) all the gossip and drama
2: can you guys put that aside and can we play pride and extreme prejudice instead
0: is that the one where you have a mech you are
2: are all Jane Austen female protagonists in a giant robot yes what
0: I'm cool. kind was of on board Mike. with that actually it was like a mi- micro RPG it was like
2: yeah it's totally a micro RPG uh-huh. by like I think Grant Howitt
0: yeah I think I remember you sending me this and you're like next time <laughs> is <laughs> that it, like, the uh, meet up next month <laughs> I mean I think Mike would be down to run that next time we meet up I was like but, but what if I just want to play a refined lady <laughs> who talks smack about other refined ladies <laughs> can I not do that because that sounds awesome to me <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about pianofortes, exactly you know mm-hmm. really contentious stuff <laughs> i like drama also when it's very low stakes and i think that's the sweet spot for good society that mm. I, I look forward to running so maybe we'll have a different answer down the road we've all played yeah. some new systems Yay. but overall i think that's all the questions we need to answer
1: thanks for listening down with the empire see ya
0: oh <laughs> well i think we could keep jades but in general. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this mailback episode. If you have questions for the next episode, you can tweet them to us at rules is written or email them to dm at dndraw.com. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we're good. Awesome.